Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together jd power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to another episode of the Inspired Evolution. This week's episode features Niall McInnes, and Niall is affectionately known as the Fear Coach. He has a passion that derives directly from the freedom that's created after we step into uncomfortable situations. This week's podcast is sponsored by Lifecycle. Lifecycle are Australia's leading medicinal mushroom growers. They're focused on solving global issues using mushroom biotechnologies. Lifecycle's magic mushroom ranges enable and enhance states of well-being in delicious and convenient drinks. My personal experience with medicinal mushrooms is that in the last four years that I've been taking medicinal mushrooms as a health supplement in my morning tonics, I have not been sick for the last four years. My personal favorites are Shaga, Reishi, Cordyceps and Lion's Mane. A little bit about them. Shaga is great for your immunities. Reishi is great to recover and de-stress. Uh, Lion's Mane is great as a nootropic. And Cordyceps, great for performance. At the moment, the guys at Lifecycle have been, they've been so generous, so kind. They're really supporting the work that the Inspired Evolution is doing and they love the vibe that we're all about. So they're offering the listeners of the Inspired Evolution for Mushy May, for this month of May, 15% off anything that you want to order from Lifecycle. So I'm completely humbled by this generous offer of theirs. So find your way to their website. Check out what's on offer. Again, my favorites are Shaga, Reishi, Lion's Mane, and Cordyceps. And get yourself 15% off. 15% off comes with a discount code with the name Amrit, A-M-R-I-T, my first name. Chuck that in there. Upgrade your health. Look after yourself. And tune into a yummy conversation here.
Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, and it is such a treat today. I cannot, oh, I'm super excited today. Hey, um, I'm bringing to you the vibes from Niall McInnes. Niall, how are you today, brother? Good, good. I mean, how are you? <laughs> yeah, really good. Your ear's doing all right with that intro? <laughs> Real good. I was preparing for it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. For those tuning in for, uh, to Niall for the first time, um, Niall, he's a coach. He's a coach, yeah, and he's specialising in removing emotional constriction to allow the authentic self to shine through. He has a passion for the freedom created after stepping into uncomfortable situations, and he doesn't just preach this. He embodies this uh, from extreme sports to professional kickboxing, stand-up comedy, sleeping on the streets, fasting, silent retreats, and even pickup. His clearing sessions are uh, the, the theory is quite simple. Um, they're based on two principles: taking responsibility from for the problem that you're experiencing, and then finding gratitude for that exact problem he works with people one-on-one and uh he also has these amazing men's group retreats which uh i had the privilege of being on one recent uh recently maybe last year um and yeah one of the most profound moments probably of my life came out of that retreat i probably i usually like to start the the podcast on something light-hearted but i think maybe we should just dive straight into that um oh. yeah welcome first of all <laughs> thank you um, yeah. So, what what inspired you to start doing men's retreats? Let's let's just weave into that. Yeah, I was thinking about this this morning. Uh, I guess a lot of my um, a lot of my whole part has been like creating masculinity or finding masculinity myself. To being sort of quite a feminine kind of kid, a very anxious. Mm. And um, uh, the inspiration came from after going through a series of journeys. Might go through later in the interview, but. I went to a men's retreat of my own called uh, the Mankind Project. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, the New Warrior Program is their sort of weekend retreat. It's a coming of age ceremony for <clears throat> Western men going from boys to men because it's, uh, um, most indigenous cultures have some sort of boy to man uh, initiation. Yeah. And Western men have lost that. Um, so, In a big uh, way, I went yeah. On, yeah, a big way, yeah. We have no coming of rights ceremonies. That's right, and I'm fascinated by this now, the, the coming of age ceremony. Uh, I'm out here in uh, Central Australia now, and, and the uh, Aboriginal Australians have, almost Australia-wide, have some sort of walkabout or something like that. Yep. Um, and, um, and that was, I'd already done some sort of extreme sports stuff. That was after I'd, I'd had some kickboxing fights, professional kickboxing fights. I'd been bull riding for a while. So I'd been going through a bit of what I would call depression, mm. but it's a low, low, low state, and... Uh, and went on to this retreat and realised the, the fear associated with men dealing with emotional, um, the emotional fears of, of being vulnerable. That was the big thing for me. I realised that I, I could get on a ball or, or get in a ring fighting, but um, there's some pride in that for a man because there's, you know, the tough guy thing that comes with it. Yep. Where when you're being vulnerable, there's not much, there's not much in today's world that, um, unless you're in these sorts of very supportive men groups, there's not much that... Uh, support there when, you, when you're being vulnerable and um, so I found that was, was really, I just enjoyed going through the fear there and I won't go into the things it is kind of somewhat secretive um, weekend to keep it hidden so that you're not quite sure what's going to come up. The one I went on, you can find stuff on the internet, but it's, um, it's, I'd rec- I recommend for a lot of young guys who look kind of uh, a bit sort of anxious or lost or not sure of themselves. Mm. Yeah, so that was the that was the main reason. That one men's retreat that made me realise that um, I think it's important to have the physical um, things that challenge you physically, and then to have that emotional vulnerability as well for a man. That's that's, that's being a real man is having the courage to be vulnerable and, and authentic and step into your 
true. Mm. Yeah, wow. Um, how long ago was the Mankind Project and where did you do it? That was, well, I think, it was 2004. <coughs> I did it in Victoria. They have, uh, they have groups almost in every state and all, all over the world. I did it in um, kind of small, small sort of uh, uh, place south of Melbourne, where I was south of Melbourne, I'll get around the town. But um, you can go onto the, the, the Mankind website. They do run one or two every year yep. all over the world. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And you, you touched on this, and uh, I'd love to explore this, um, which is the coming-of-age ceremonies. Because um, I remember, like, I guess you turn 18, and it's like, yeah, I can I can legally drink now, and you just go out and get absolutely trashed and smash yourself into the gutter, I guess. Um, yeah. And then there's, you know, the, the 21st that everyone sort of celebrates for some reason is, I don't know, like maybe that's just the American culture sort of infusing into ours. You're finally 21, and everybody throws a bit of a party. Um, but in terms of, you know, those are just, generally we're just toxifying ourselves, right? <laughs> on these, on these days, which are just like, yeah, you know, I turned 18 or I turned 21. Let's just get absolutely hammered. Um, and there's no real, I guess when you say coming of age ceremony, what I'm sort of feeling into is the idea of rites of passage. Um, and like those rites of passage sort of being like a milestone in terms of, an iteration on your state and your relationship with the world and who you are and your responsibilities, perhaps. Um, yeah. What's so? Can we have a chat about that? Tell us more about that. Well, the one thing that comes to mind is that I really noticed was this uh, mankind project. People eighteen to eighty years old. Yeah. And there were seventy-five-year-old men who were fathers and grandfathers. Some of them had probably been to war. Mm. And they, they were saying in the open discussions, I've never had, oh, the reason I'm here is I've never had someone say to me, now you're a man. Even though for me, I was, maybe I was 25 or 26 or all this and 27, but look at them, I thought, well, they'd have, you're a dad, that makes you a man, or you've been a war, that makes you a man, or your grandfather, that definitely makes you a man. But they, that, for them, that, that was a personality crisis that I didn't realise, because you see this old guy who'd been through so much and was very mm. strong in his character, but never had someone say, you're a man now, which... It wasn't something I was really yearning for, but I think, especially for the older generations, there's not as much information out and books available as we have today. And definitely, like I read a lot of books on these sort of stuff. But I think that was the, that's the main thing that that surprised me was these older guys who've been through so much and never just had that opportunity to feel that transition and maybe still felt like a boy. Or and they'd have to do some more research. Like I would have liked to have spoken a few more in to find out what 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 that felt like for them, but. Um, I guess it's like a change in belief systems of your responsibility, maybe. And um, but I mean, for me, I guess having a having a child for me is a, that's that's becoming a man pretty quickly. Well, you, you may or may not become a man. That's I suppose it really matters because you can you can be you can have a kid and still not be a man about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Actually, learning either way. But it is like a biological sort of stake in the ground, if you will. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So how does that pair into, because I know when you were here, um, now you've been travelling around a lot, um, living in harsh environments like the centre of Australia. <laughs> um, but, but when you were here, there was a lot of, um, you're doing a lot of work as, like specifically as a fear coach. So how does that coming of age, I think you sort of alluded on that, but let's crystallise that a little bit. Just like how does that coming of age and the lack of like a ceremony for a man become then like the necessity for you to like position yourself as the, the fear coach, like why fear and what's that relationship with coming of age? Yeah, well, I think uh, just for me, the, 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 I, I realised pretty early that, that um, 
the fee is the only thing that holds us back from what we want, really, when you get down to nuts and bolts. But mainly the fear of rejection, more than anything, or a fear of failure. And uh, if I do the long story of it, I, I sort of was very anxious. I was working on the mines in Western Australia, um, looking up to these dudes who were sort of tough minor guys, and I wanted to be more of a man, and I realised I wasn't them. So through a number, it's there for a lot of years, but eventually decided, well, for me to be tough, which is what I wanted to be, I've got to go do stuff that scares me. Yeah. And um, if I got into like, uh, me and a mate were living together, so when we had our breaks off together, we'd go, because we'd work away in the mines two weeks away, one week back. When we had our breaks together, we went, did like bungee jumping and skydiving and stuff, and different, we said, you know, a list of things to do. And then got into bull riding, which he'd done a little bit of as a younger guy. Um, and that was sort of the start of really challenging my physical fear and getting on the back of the ball still was the scariest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, it gave me a perspective of how alive you are when you're that close to danger and, and death, you know? Mm. And it uh, started a, maybe an unhealthy passion, I guess, so you don't want to go the quest of fear. Um, but from there, and, and those experiences with, with physical fear and then getting into the, um, getting doing this mental treat and having the, um, the fear of um, revealing the truth and, and sharing your secrets. Yeah. And, and then when I started a business, I just started a hypnotherapy business. I got into hypnotherapy and NLP training mm. after my kickboxing fight. Um, and then doing some public speaking to um, business marketing. I felt the same fear in my body as I did Okay, before I did my public speaking, I did before I wrote a book. And yeah. I, was, I thought, wow, this is <laughs> crazy. This is just scary, yeah? Yeah, yeah. one's completely and psychosomatic so, and one is actually is. like <laughs> like physically yeah. Yeah, there, really? intrinsic, yeah. Amazing. So that was the start of uh, my um, my realising that I'd, I'd seen both worlds, that most, I guess both sides of this, both people, most people want to go see is a really scary. My, my person might be very open vulnerable emotionally but yeah. they won't that person won't generally go to the other side as well so i feel i realized that they were very similar in the feeling you get and um and it is completely just all in your head and um and it's it all comes down to belief systems and stuff below and um i think the the reason it ties into the coming of age and what i've studied now is a really cool documentary about um, an aussie guys film called boy to man based on this documentary and all the different um all the different uh uh, sort of initiations around the world that you could get to. He went to, um, uh, he goes to Africa and, and like, so I've done some research on them and like there's guys in the Amazon who put the gloves full of bullet ants and he's sort of painting for seeing anything on the planet. Yeah, I think I saw Hamish and Andy do something. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. If they like to, the idea of bungee jumping came from the coming of age ceremony for them where they've got to choose their own vine. Mm-hmm. And jump off a structure, and they're meant, they're meant to hit the ground, but they're just like just trying to slow them down a bit. Um, the Maasai warriors in Africa have to be certain size of a sharp rock, um, and if they wince, they fail the initiation, can't get married. Yeah. And then they've got to go, traditionally, they've got to go hunt a lion. So um, I think the male initiation always has a lot of danger and, or, or courage involved with it. And, um, and, and I guess in today's world, a lot of that is sort of negative that's very you know macho um culture but but i think it's very necessary for the for the modern man or any man to have that the ability to step into into fear whether it's physical or whatever that that's mm. really my idea of a real man is to have the courage to go into whether it's emotional or physical to go to step into it i think it's very powerful 
doesn't have to be used in a negative way in fighting or anything else or war, but to have that strength within yourself and the, and the knowledge of yourself, you can stand up for yourself. And, and I think traditionally it came from standing up for your family and protecting them. That's that's a big part of it. So um, I think it's an important part for, for the modern day man to be able to, to tap into that courage and the step into fear. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier as well. Is that like I was noticing that obviously you said in your journey you you realised that to to like embrace your the the masculine energy that, like in your life it was to do stuff that scares you, and that definitely as I heard that I was like hmm like that's a very masculine way of looking at things you know just organically, um, and then just continuing to 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 cultivate that I guess is something that's really inspirational about yourself which is you know whether whether it's MMA whether it's bullfighting whether it's you know going out into the middle of the desert and going on walkabout and you know like finding ways to get uncomfortable and um, you know things that really your mind I guess is probably the best place to start where it goes you know this is probably not the best idea and it's like letting that go and then dropping yourself into that space um, I'm I'm curious on what your thoughts are um around i guess just because uh, we touched on this sort of came from the coming of rights um coming of age um society and its relationship with us not having um i guess disenfranchising this this coming of age stuff like disenfranchising our masculinity is what i really want to say so i'm not sure why i'm not saying that <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's yeah it's a um well, I guess that comes down to the real, like the what they say, the synthetic masculine or the or the authentic masculine. I think uh, David David talks a lot about this. And, um, there is there is a bit of there's a lot of that, but a lot of that is because the average when I grew up on you know, once you go to pubs in Western Australia, it used to be that there's always often fights in the pubs and stuff. There's always the these big, juiced up dudes and they beat up the guys that are smaller than them, you know, <laughs> and so they could feel tough. Yeah, and that's not being a real. They know deep down that when you're really gonna you fight for what you believe in, and if you should fight anyone for, you know, you shouldn't be fighting a small man. That's the that's you trying to look for your ego and trying to get a boost because you piss someone, you know, when you piss. Mm. So um, that was sort of the start of uh, the, the real masculinity thing is to see that you know a real man has the courage to stand up for what he believes in, and a real man has the courage to go into the to be vulnerable as well. That's, I think that's the whole point. Is that the the synthetic masculine is that guy that's that, especially in Australia, is look, looking big and he's got tattoos all over him and will get in a fight. But rarely those guys have the ability to go do like a meditation retreat or sit. Like I've just done it for past the last year, and so many people say I couldn't sit on my own for that long time. Mm. Um, and so a lot of those guys, are, they'll they'll do the things that make them tough in in the masculine way but doing the other courageous things they they don't have the ability to do often so i think to be a real real man you've got to have the ability to go like do both ways or just have you know even have the courage to be authentic and saying i'm scared i think is a big is a really big bigger step like mm, it's that with all my with fear again isn't it yeah well it is always with me so and i don't like, know if that's that yeah <laughs> so it's consistently yeah. pushing that relationship with fear it's like so you know maybe you've work through the macho stuff and you're like you've you've sort of capitalized on that as far as you can and then it's like what's the next thing that scares you is your vulnerability so it's that it's, again that's very masculine it doesn't seem masculine to get vulnerable but similar to what you said before is like it was quite obvious when you said just i kept doing stuff that scares me 
that's obviously you embracing a very masculine idea. It's like, I don't see a woman going, okay, that terrifies me. I'm going to go do that. And, you know, it's like, yeah, sweet. There's a lion. I'm going to go hunt that. You know, it's like very masculine. Um, and then I think vulnerability is the new lion, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it really is. I think it really is like that. But, and I think Australian men are becoming more and more uh, vulnerable in conversations. Actually, when I was travelling in England, I found that these, these English guys were quite, these are big, tough guys, but they're quite um, uh, open with their mates and very, uh, I found they were very yeah, vulnerable in ways that, that Aussie guys weren't when I came back. And I think that's starting to change the next generation. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, and, uh, and let me just quickly, because um, one, one challenge I've had when I call myself a fear coach, a lot of people were scared away by the name fear coaching, because mm. people are scared of fear. So the, the reason I love the reason I love fear is because once you step through it, the feeling of freedom on the other side is you, you've created a shift for the rest of your life, and you've got the awareness that, that on the other side is a, is a different freedom of restriction, you know. Um, and I guess really the whole thing about fear is that on the other side of it is that I just hate restriction. I hate being when I want to do something, I'm scared to do it, or I feel that restriction. Whether it's in a conversation or whether it's you know chasing your goals or whatever, it's not a nice feeling, and often you're even unaware of it. But when you step through fear, you just feel this freedom that's really empowering. That's really what it's all about for me, and and what, and and probably the, the change in marketing from fear coach to freedom coach or yeah. something. Else that done I love it because um, invariably, as you're sharing that, I'm aware that both things you're talking about, uh, like as you as you shared that, it was just like an iteration on, because for me, I um, when I think anything ma anything is masculine, I think of it as freedom. So anything that's embellishing on something that's like talking about freedom, 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 that's invariably for me, that's something masculine. If something's talking about love a lot, it's it's feminine, right? That's, that's kind of like the easiest distinction that I have for the two. Both extremely vital. Um, there's a lot of new age, like masculinity, femininity, and I, and I don't really understand a lot of it and I try not to understand a lot of it, to be honest, because I think we're just integrated human beings and it's, it gets more complicated the more you try to like separate things out. But that's one thing that does help me, which is just if it's something that's calling me to freedom, there's like a masculine aspect of that. If there's something that's uh -huh. calling me to um, to just love more, then it's then that's the feminine aspect of myself. Um, and I love that because as you were saying that, you were just talking about how the fear was just all about and like getting through restriction, which is, you know, and I think that sort of brings into exactly what the, the question that I had a couple of questions ago, which was like, you know, why fear and then, you know, to, to freedom, um, why fear and this masculinity thing. And I think the idea is that basically punching through your fear is like obliterating that restriction and that gets you out to your freedom. Which is which is really cool because that's the, you know writes a passage and like this whole masculinity thing I think that's like the whole it's a nice little linear sort of understanding of it so that's really cool I um I have to I have to sort of just reflect on the restriction stuff as well that you just mentioned um, which is really cool because. Um, the, you can actually feel the physical symptoms because I've been on this men's retreat. And you can actually feel these physical symptoms when they come up of these restrictions. It's not just there's there's mental definitely, but there's physical as well. And I think that like is one of the most profound things I got out of the retreat. Like there's always this awareness that um, I've carried around, and I'm sure many other people do as well. Is that you know like intrinsically there is a relationship between your mind and your body, um, you know, and when you have when you come up against and you have these breakthroughs that were previously restrictions in your system whether they were mental or physical as soon as you break through them yes there's the freedom right um 
But it's a very embodied freedom that you experience on these retreats with the work that you do. And uh, I think this touches on what you were saying, which is like, you know, it leaves a lasting impression. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really am in awe, actually, of the work that we did together um, and just how it did leave such a lasting impression um, and actually, like, in, encapsulated that. Is that an intentional thing that you've cultivated in, in the work that you're doing? Yeah, I think um, I probably get frustrated with myself if I don't, if, if there's not, you know, I always want to get well, lasting change in ones. And it's probably working more, improving my skill as well. But um, I'm becoming more and more aware that the journey is like the work is the journey. Like it's you don't you don't almost don't want anything to happen in one session because you sort of you lose the you need the ups and the downs to really have a, a great learning out of something and to take on the uh, the full beauty of it. So mm, I don't appreciate how to slow down and and um, and and, um, and let whatever the path is, whatever the growth is, the changes. Often too, like when you're working with people, sometimes what they think they want and what they really want are two different things. Yeah. And so, um, but yes, I mean, I think once, I think especially with fear, especially with fear, when you step through it, it does feel like it's. Uh, you're very, you're very aware of the, of the change when you step through it. Where it's been really strong in the body, and then once you're through it, it sort of it makes a lasting impact. And you feel, I think, it's always in your brain that you could be, you know, let's say bungee jumping or skydiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be 20 years later, and you're going into business, but you can call on those same resources that you use to jump out of the plane to step through a fear of different kind. I just think it's, it stays very locked in your mind because it's so strongly emotional. And the change is so instant when you when you step through it. So that's that's why that's why I think it is, that that that, that um, fear is such a powerful thing to work through. Yeah, because it's it's, uh, it's such a powerful instantly change and it locks there in your brain for later for use later on. Unconsciously, yeah. I find it. Yeah. Awesome. Can I? Um, I was. It makes more sense to do this at the end of the podcast, but. It's not going to be like that. Um, so, um, do you have a call to action for people that like perhaps want to like butt up against a fear? Is there like a is there like a like an exercise to run? Um, an exercise run for them for themselves. Yeah, that like a listener could be like, okay, cool. Out of this podcast, I could go experiment with this. Like, obviously, I have if a fear I, around. Yeah. If I had to put it into well, there's, there's, the first of all is is to be aware. Like when I say to them when I first work with them. Mm-hmm. I say humans are amazing time travelers. Like we are already the fact that you can go back in your mind to a past event and you feel it in your body like it's now. Yeah. Especially if it's something painful. Yeah. Humans are amazing time travelers, and, and once and we can talk about that later if you want. To talk about <laughs> but um, uh, first of all, I get people to really feel it. I feel the main reason fear is a problem is because you're so it's such an uncomfortable emotion. You're so busy trying to avoid it. Yeah. That, that that's actually what causes the problems. It's not the fear, it's that you're so busy avoiding it, you cover it up with all these other things, like you eat food or mm-hmm. or you drink alcohol or whatever you do to smother that. Yeah, it's not just fear, any of these, any of those um, uncomfortable emotions. Yeah. Um, the problem isn't the fear, it's, it's that you're scared of the feeling. You're scared of fear feeling uh, feeling yourself. So um, one is just to be aware of it. Rather than avoid it taking time to breathe into it. And this is the difficult part, is all your body's saying is go run away from this. You've got many different ways of doing that. You yeah. feel 
employees as they're eating, drinking, smoking, whatever things are, or uh, reading, you know, running. <laughs> yeah. But number one is to feel it and just be aware of it. And rather than be uh, scared of a feeling, be inquisitive. Like, wow, my body is just. Because often it's, it's not when you're at the edge of the bungee jump that you're going to fear. You're thinking about the conversation with someone and you're already getting scared. You're not even next to the person, you're just thinking yeah. about it. If you think about a future event, you're scared already. So just your brain thinking is creating a feeling. But just become aware of the feeling in your body, like where you feel it. What's it feel like? Is it constriction? Is it burning? Is it tightness? Um, that's number one. Number two is I um, I went along to a like a pickup talk in, in America. And uh, I think it's good to talk about so again, the masculine feminism is quite uh, controversial and stuff, but... Uh, it's very it's a very scary thing to do to walk up to a beautiful woman and, and try and get in conversation or whatever a fear of rejection. And one thing I learned on this um, on this course was that you inside your mind you might walk into a say you walk into a bar and you see a group of really attractive girls when you speak to inside your mind you already start to play out what you think is going to happen. Uh-huh. And if your beliefs are limiting, you would see yourself getting burnt out, them abusing you, or turning their back on you, and the whole bar laughing at you, or whatever it is. <coughs> and you start to feel a negative feeling already before you even go to speak to them. Yeah. Um, and so what, what they taught you is just like, or I don't know if they taught me this, I've already done the mind work my treasures myself, but imagine it going perfectly. Just visualize it going really, really well. They love you, they think you're funny, you, you feel on top of the world, you're confident. And when you visualize that, you feel better in your body, and the chance of that happening is much, much higher. Mm. And I've taken that technique so many different things, and it's like into bull riding, into working with my clients. It's just that if you shift the picture in your mind, mm. uh, and it got me to understanding that the reason your brain is creating that negative image is to stop you getting hurt in the first place. It's always only trying to protect you. Yeah. So if we just for, and this isn't just for guys, girls are the same thing, you know. Um, me, uh, I actually went on from a course on teaching girls how to be more attractive because a, a lot of girls are saying, oh, there's no good men left in this world. And I'm like, up to you to be the, be the woman attraction, you know. But, mm. um, to change that picture in your mind, it's not as easy to do because your brain's going to protect you, but to shift what you see with an important business meeting, just see it going well, prepare for the work you expect to be, and it changes how you feel. And as a result, through law of attraction, I'm going forward, you're much more likely to have that result happen because of the feeling in your body. So this is something I've been wanting to ask you for a while because last time we spoke, um, you mentioned that you when you were going to go up to Darwin to, to ride some more bulls um, just to, to get drop back into that energy of it, um, you were going to see how it worked out to try and train less but mental train more and like visu- like see how well the visualizing stuff actually works because obviously there's a lot of training that would go into like like the conditioning <laughs> that goes into riding a bull um and staying alive <laughs> um but yeah i um i've been meaning to ask you for a while like how did that serve you like uh, the the vis- like because we've just talked about visualization actually seeing this stuff like getting curious about it instead of getting constricted about it and just allowing yourself to see it unfold the way you want it to unfold and allowing yourself to like ease into that and then perhaps allow that to become give that more potential to become your reality did you run that exercise and how did that go with the bulls yeah so this is my so my experience is that bull riding is an amazing teacher because mm. you're so so much emotion um and so what i found was leading up to the 
leading up to, say, a week before a ride, you're already starting to get a bit nervous when you think about it. Um, and with practice, if you ride enough balls, that, that goes away. But, well, it doesn't always go away. You, you've got to learn how to harness it better. But, yep, you get your tools um, developed. Yeah. But with that, with that well, we up, unless you are really committed, you'll just find ways to distract yourself from doing the, the mental work. Because when you close your eyes, you see yourself getting your back broken or becoming quadriplegic or, you know, getting smoked. And so your brain doesn't want to see that. It feels bad, so you find ways to distract yourself. So mm. there are two ways that I found work for this. One is to, I was reading um, Alan Watts's The Way of, I think it's called The Way of Dow or The Way of Zen or something like that. You might know the book, but I was reading that. And basically the whole way of, of, of the Zen Buddhism is just like, there's no bad or good, it's just, it is. And so, one more ride, I just, I was really quite nervous before the, the ride, but I went through the book and I said, okay, but feel the nerve, it's not bad or good, it just, it is. So, experience it, be okay with it. Be okay with this turmoil inside yourself. And um, John Jones, who was a light, light heavyweight champion in um, UFC, used to say, before he went to the title, he said, all my butterflies are aligned, which is the butterflies in your stomach. He says that people get scared of that feeling, but that's actually the most powerful resource we have as humans, is that feeling of, of what might be anxiety, just depends how you want to frame it. And so rather than just let that consume you, feel it, and just assume that it's guiding you towards something positive rather than trying to pull you back from something negative. Um, so that was number one. Number two was uh, because the emotion is so strong in those moments, I found the only way you can visualise Correctly, you, you'll actually, and anyone that's home to do this right now, that if they've got a business meeting ahead of them or something they're nervous about, um, you can try and, and visualize the, how you want to go, but if the emotion's very strong, it's really difficult to do. It's actually really difficult to keep positive. And I learned this going doing through uh, working with weight loss clients, doing the therapy, that in the very first session, I'd say, first of all, let's visualize how you want to be. And in that first session, they, they literally couldn't do it. Yeah. He couldn't visualize himself in it. And uh, through the way my brain works, I was like, why would, why would the brain do that? Why would the brain not want you to focus on what you want? What and you I, want? Think, I think it comes from there's a belief system there that if I am, say, if I'm skinny, uh, there might be some negative association with that. Either there might be an abuse in the past, or there, there might be negative association with the skinny girls or all bitches, or whatever the, whatever the, you know, the mental mindset is. Mm. Um, and say with bull riding, it's like, why would my brain not want me to see? see me winning because there's a strong belief system that if you get on that ball there's a good chance you're going to hurt mm. and so I'm just trying to protect you yeah and I guess that's a big it's maybe a big teacher in all the lessons the work I do now is that um, find gratitude for the restriction you've got in your life it's just trying to help you it's just trying to help you and once you can love it yep. once you can love the reason why it's helping you it, it'll, it'll, it'll work with you in a way in a way you want to direct it but um and this is something I really want to. Oh, I'm sorry for talking a lot, but I just, I just say. There is no you talking a lot. You're here to talk. <laughs> Freedom, so, please. Yeah. I went along to his uh, uh, his six month coaching program, sort of spiritual coaching, as you call it. Yep. And he's a really, really good at what he does. Very intuitive, and um, the one thing he taught me on that six months that stood out the most was, um, and I think it's from. NLP Marin, he says, um, the most powerful way to make change in yourself is to love the parts of you you love to leave. Mm. And the way I say it, a different way to people is, is to love the parts of you you, you know, effing hate. Yep. Because 
um, every day the, the, the challenges you've got in your life, you think, uh, um, well, whatever the problem it is, whether it's, you know, relationships, whether it's work, you go to a job, you hate, whatever it is, there's, there's parts of you, particularly you're saying to yourself, I'm so lazy, I'm so cowardly, I should speak to the boss, or I'm so, I'm not driven enough. You say there's nothing, but much nothing in that normally. You can be like, you know, you're an idiot, you can hear yeah. some swear words, you're nothing to yourself inside of you're not even aware of it. Because we're trying to, hopefully, if I'm nasty enough to myself, not force me to change. That's what we're trying to do. But through the work I do, and almost all the time now, I've realised that all of our beliefs are created under the age of seven. The seeds planted under the age of seven. Yeah. Only under the age of four. Which is amazing. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes in past lives and stuff too, if you believe in that sort of thing. And so I get people to go back and see that the person they're saying these really nasty words to is like a little girl or a little boy inside you that at the time, they were just doing their very best to protect themselves by creating a belief of, you know, if I, if I make waves, then I'm going to get in trouble, or you know, if I get yelled at, it leads to pain in some way. And once you see that it's a little kid doing that stuff, you stop scolding them, and you start loving them for, well, thank you so much for trying to help me. It's just a four-year-old kid trying to help this 30-year-old man or 60-year-old man or, you know, <laughs> girl, whatever. Yeah. And once you see that little person inside yourself, you're like, thank you for helping me. And what do you want? How can we help you get what you want, which is protection? And have a communication with a younger version of you, which maybe some of you listeners might see a bit far out, but it's, uh, it's inside all of us. All these, well, this, these is the most, this is the most so. grounded version I've ever understood of the inner child, so you're really helping a lot here, so thank you. Yeah, Yeah, this has come through practice. Of, of, and you really can, you have conversations with those younger versions of yourself, and, and we all have many voices in our heads. Yeah. It's, it's normal, it's natural to have these different states of ourselves and once you can, um, it seems so wishy-washy but love, love yourself, love the thing you think is a problem mm. and the, intent, the intention behind it. Why would a part of you be holding you back? Ask yourself that question again and again. Why would that part of me be cowardly? Why would that part of me be, you know, lazy? And rather than say it's a bad thing, just with an honest question, why would that happen? And um, and you get down to the base of that you know, there's some sort of protection there. And love the protection, love the reason why you, you know, why you're doing it. And then you're just shifting it to the energy to well, it's not quite working now. Like you're doing your best to help me, but now it's actually holding you back. Let's work together to this is what I want. Let's happen. You make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, there's a lot in that. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. Um, yeah, the the under the age of seven thing, um, you know that that's been that's been uh, well science like actually science has been exploring that and um, there's been a couple of papers that I've read which are really interesting, um, and it demonstrates that actually because um, humans we grow out like we're we've we pop out of the womb um, because size is basically what limits us like the physicality of it, but emotionally and mentally we're still like in this womb like state which is they've discovered that because up until the, about the age of between five and seven, it starts switching off gradually for different people, but you're still predominantly in this delta wave state, right? So you've got alpha, wow. beta, delta waves, right? And so that you're still in this delta wave state, which is your hypnosis state. So when you're going into a state of hypnosis and people are helping you sort of shift things, it's because you're dropping back into a delta state and you're more suggestible, you're more open, you're more ready to let things go. But you actually are predominantly in that state 
up until the age of between five and seven is when it starts switching off for people. Um, like the alpha starts generating, the beta starts generating, and you start switching into these different stages. And so, yeah, and that was, but the way you describe that emotionally, like there's things that have like, you've, you know, they've perhaps something happened in an interaction, you sort of like took that on, like, you know, I've, I've heard stories about this, but I never really like, it never really crystallized until the way you just described it is like, you know, like a kid starts crying because its parents are arguing and the parents stop arguing. And then that becomes like the kid's default. As soon as the parents start crying, it's like, I can uh, the parents start arguing. So like, I'll just start crying because it'll maintain peace at home. You know, mm. and it's like, you just, you're taking these things on unconsciously in this like hypnosis like state. And it just, yeah. and those things embed in the future. Um, yeah, it very, very interesting. Um, even more interesting, I feel, though, which is where I want to go, is like, because you mentioned this, it's like, you know, um, talking about going back to the age of seven, and then you also mentioned, like, there are people that are, you know, 70, and they, they, they haven't had this, just this verification of, you know, you are now a man, and you mentioned this, like, um, that you believe humans are really amazing time travelers, and that's very intriguing. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, I think uh, I think just through practice, that's uh, there's, a, there's an amazing um, Alan Watts speech where he's talking about the, the Buddhist philosophy that um, uh, you you go through different lifetimes, you get to the point of meditation where you can go into a sleep like say, yeah. and you live out a lifetime in your sleep, so seven years in your sleep, and so he says that the first few you know, weeks you're going to go just live all the pleasures of life, which is sex and sex and money and uh, Power and lawful uh, yeah. Do. <laughs> yeah, and then it gets boring. And so then you go and well, have a little bit more adventure. Well, what's more exciting now? So you go be the dragon slayer for the princess, or go fight in war and be the, the you know the champion of you know or gladiator or whatever it is. You know, climbing Everest. Um, and after a while, you, that too gets boring. And so you say, well, this next dream, I'm going to be really adventurous, and I'm going to go into the dream and not know what it is. And when I'm in it, I won't know I'm dreaming. And he said, that dream is your life right now. And when you die, you wake up. <laughs> yeah. That's um, like my favorite parable from him. Like, it's just, yeah. yeah, I love dropping that on people. Thank you. You you were way more eloquent than I am. <laughs> this is amazing. Well, the way, the, the thing I relate that to is that Elon Musk had a question asked him about simulation theory. Which, yeah. Uh, and I feel like this is the same, it's the same thing. I guess I, I, I describe it as the, the nerdy view of, of the same thing, which is Elon Musk said, you know, there's a one in a billion chance we are the base reality. It's like yeah. we, we, we play Grand Theft Auto or all the Sims, and mm -hmm. maybe we are the Sims and someone else playing us, the giant eye in the sky, you know, and God yeah. is on the Xbox controller. <laughs> so, but the way he said it so, in such a relaxed way, that yeah. nine, 900 million out of a billion chances are that we are somewhere in that. Yeah, top of in the bottom that spectrum left. of we're in a simulation. I was just having this yeah. yesterday, but yeah, go on. Yeah. But the way in such a relaxed way, yeah. it would have scared me at the time. That technology just scares me. But he realised that for him, it doesn't matter if we're whether the guy playing GTA or we're being played. Mm. This is your video game. Like, this is your reality to create, and he sees the world that way. So I'm just going to crush it. I'm going to make the world. And I, I truly think he wants to make the world a better place. So um, whether you know, he might be somewhat psychopathic in some of the ways, or less empathetic in the way that he needs to be that to get the things done, he does. So. Yeah. Um, so I think that he just sees the world in a way that you know, this is my, my video game always. So whether I'm playing it or being played, I'm going to enjoy or make what I want to make. And for me, that's not really my purpose. My purpose is like I'm going to enjoy life. Like what 
whether I'm playing the game or being played, you can be scared by it or just live the crap out of it. Like, have yes. heaps of fun. Enjoy it. Share love, be around people you want to be around. Have heaps of fun. And, and, um, and, and I'm probably going to live it enough. You, often you see, like, when you see Hollywood stars in particular, they talk about, they, they see life as like a game. Like, it's like, mm. I almost live my life as a video game. I see challenges as a fun, you know, uh, boss, you've got to challenge it to get to the next level. Like, uh, see your challenges as fun rather than it's a, it's, it's a, it's a challenge in a way and it's got to be bad and I've got to hurt. And, mm. Yeah. Kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing. Isn't it interesting? Like, you know, the the word game automatically just ensues the word, like the energy of fun in it. You know, it's like if it's a game, it's automatically fun. I find that really intriguing. There's uh very similar to this this similar uh, this simulation theory and um and what Alan Watts has said. Like, I find this fascinating. Right? Is um some people may know that the Hadron Collider where they in uh, in Switzerland. So it's like they it's like it's, it's the size of many football fields underground and it's like a, uh, it's way more scientific than the way I'm about to put it um, but it's like a circular tube right and they basically fire electrons in opposite directions right and then they they accelerate them as they fire and they then they collide at the other end right? and they did this thinking that if they could make two electrons um, hit each other like the the chances of that happening are already quite remote because it, like obviously the size of an electron but if they can nail that then they smash that open when they collide and then you can find the smaller particles that make up our existence right so amazing machine um, and what happens is when they smash it this is where the, the discovery of quarks and stuff came from like all these smaller particles and they call it the god molecule and stuff but anyway they they smash these things together and they've noticed that like these constellations open up of particles right and as they open up these constellations as you know the constellations of the stars above it's uh there's black holes wow. that open up. And by definition, a black hole is infinite. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So it's this really weird trip down. So when I first heard about this experiment and I'm like, so what's stopping me from being in someone's Hadron yeah. Collider black hole universe uh, experiment? There's a couple of big dudes in suits that we decided to call God. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's like, I think it's it. I think there's actually it. Like a, I went to this course about other, other realms and I've never had the opportunity to really physically embody that understanding of it. Yeah. But to me, it just doesn't, 
it just doesn't matter anymore, I think. Like, I just have got this feeling that when I die, I'm just going to wake up and just laugh. I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm going to go, I have to go to sleep now. That, was, that dream was intense. <laughs> I don't know, but it will be like an octopus creature or something. Yeah. You know, or they and we've, we've made agreements with each other and you and I have made an agreement in that life that we're going to come together and this will be our relationship together and I've also made an agreement with people that hurt me and I, we're friends but I said we're going to go to the bottom and I'm going to hurt you but only so you can get that lesson yeah and then we'll be finish up so but who knows like <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, there is something I really want to touch on, but I'll get to that in just a, a sec. I'll make a quick note of it. Um, and there's this guy, David J. Brown, and we're friends, um, and he, he, he's written a few books, and um, he ran this really cool experiment. His partner is um, equally as out there as he is, and they go to sleep together, and they've been working a lot on lucid dreaming, and their intention for a long time has been to try and meet each other in a lucid dream together and I remember about six months ago they had this breakthrough where it was like they saw each other in the same same topography same landscape and they saw each other in the lucid dream and so just what you shared about you know like we may maybe dreaming I don't know <laughs> you know but it's sort of I definitely found it mentally stimulating to sort of be like, huh, if we are a dream and we do have these relations, like maybe we just had the intention, like maybe I was meant to meet Niall, you know, and like before I went to sleep, it was like, I'll see you in the lucid dream, <laughs> you know, and then that's how we connect, you know, and it's like, boom, here we are. It's like I forgot that I set that intention. Um, but, yeah, this, this brings, to, this brings to, to the fore a conversation I think is really um, pertinent, which is um, just the, the idea of death and fear, um, because, yeah, I, I, I personally don't feel a fear of death. Um, but there is a, a fear prior to death, if I may. Um, like, because it's a mystery. Like, life is a mystery to me. And that's my understanding of it. So it's like, when I die, that, that is the next unfolding of the next stage of the mystery. There is a curiosity about it. Um, but in terms of whether there's a, there's a fear around it, I'm not so sure. But there is a fear just precisely just like a, like a hair before it, which is, what about all the regrets that I may have? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually fear the regrets. And I think it's, I'd love to have that conversation with you because those regrets sound a lot like the restrictions that you're talking about. You know, mm. like had I not had these restrictions, why would there, there would be? It would be unlikely that I'd have these regrets. If I was playing this game like Elon Musk was, then perhaps there wouldn't there'd be more freedom, and then the fear of the regrets before death would dissipate. Okay, I'm gonna write that down. So there's two things. So there's, there's two things here. Like um, when I'm taking people back to resolve their challenges. Mm. Um, the most important thing is to realize that um, when you go back, okay, so what I've learned about guilt is this, what I think about guilt is, when you're feeling guilty, you are sending out a message to the universe, like, I'm hurting myself, whether it's God or the universe, look how much I'm hurting myself, have I made up now for the pain I caused someone else, or for the fuck up I did, yeah? That's, that's in my opinion, that's what guilt is almost like. Um, I guess the, the, the real purpose of it is to stop you making the same mistake again. 
but huh. you can you could you could live for a whole lifetime and never let go of guilt. You hold onto it and it eats away at you because um, because you don't want to. I mean, in honesty, what I what I think I learned is that you've got to say, for example, someone passes away and you you were an asshole to them before they passed away, and I had an experience like this, um, and you. You don't have the chance. You wish you hadn't said those things that you know, they said, and they're gone. And you can't say sorry. Yep. So, I can live guilty for the rest of my life, and I can eat richly, eating myself on the inside with that with that emotion. Yep. You actually put yourself sitting there through emotion. Um, or I can, I can, and again, I can say the word sorry. Even someone's wrong, I can say the word sorry, but I don't really mean it. Mm. It's just because I'm scared of scared of getting hurt by you or you being angry at me. So I won't. I will. I'll say sorry, but really, just words. Mm. So the only real way you can resolve it is to act sorry. That is, if someone's looking down on you or or they're there with you, you've got to actually, rather than say the word sorry, act sorry. That is, never make that mistake again. And if you can honestly embody that, you let go of the guilt. Because, um, if I put it this way, if you go back to a time that you made a mistake, uh-huh. And I'll do my best to see if you can find one in your mind. Is there one in your mind you can think of? Is there one regret you can think of in your mind? I don't say what it is, but is there one you can think of? Um, uh, there's, there's, no, there's, there's a sea of them. Getting on this podcast in this moment now is no, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 um, I regret. Yeah, sure. Got one. Totally. Okay. So see in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. And again, be be interested that you can feel something in your body. That's why you think thinking about a past event. It's gone. Uh, and you're actually feeling something in your body, yeah? Yep, it's, yeah, stern, yeah, sternum. Cool. Breathe into it. Just be aware of it. And here's the thing. At that moment, you made a choice in your life, okay? Now, based on everything you knew at that time, all the resources you had, but most importantly, because of what you were feeling at the time, you made a choice, and that choice now you're unhappy about. But if you go back into that age, Amrit, he made a choice for a number of reasons. He, he knew certain things. He doesn't know what you know now. He doesn't know he was going to hurt people the way, um, just whatever it was, you know. He doesn't know all the things afterwards. He just knew everything up to that point. And he felt... The feelings in his body might be stress, it might be anxiety, it might be desire for popularity, whatever it was. He might be happy with the reasons why, but there was definitely a strong feeling inside him. Based on all that, that's why he made that choice. And you might think now, oh, it's easy looking back, he should have made something different. And he might have even known inside himself he should have made something different, but he wasn't to know until afterwards when the ramifications came in the fall that that was going to be what it was, yeah. Mm. So... You can hate the shit out of him. You can keep yelling at him for the rest of your life and say you're an idiot, you're a dickhead, you're selfish, whatever the words are, but it's gone. So instead, say, okay, you made a mistake. You know now you made a mistake. If you hadn't made a mistake, I wouldn't be the man I am today. Because I wouldn't know how to love as deeply as I do today. I wouldn't know how to connect as deeply as I do today. There's lots of reasons that you can look back and be grateful for that mistake you made because it's made you a better man because if you weren't feeling good in the first place, you wouldn't have improved yourself. If you weren't regretting it in the first place, you wouldn't have made changes in your life so you never do that again or so you enhance your life. So the secret here is to 
many Gali Mahesh might be as quick as we can do right now, but finding gratitude, the key word is finding. How can I find just one little thing that's positive? If there's 99 things that are wrong, just one little thing that's positive from it and put all your attention on that. Like, wow, well, okay, it's maybe more loving or more caring or a, a better connector or I've got better friends or I'm more aware of myself. There's, there's something that you get out of it. And now it's a choice you, okay, I really let go of the, the negative. I know I fucked up, but it's done. The path is done, yeah? Mm. So, all I do is take the positives from it and appreciate it. Appreciate what I've gained from that. And that's the big part of letting go, finding gratitude for that, that past mistake and realizing that if it wasn't that mistake, you wouldn't be where you are today. You might not have met the love of your life. You might not have, you know, who knows what would have changed. So, um, and if we, if we were doing a test, we'd explore a bit more and make sure all the emotions are gone. But that's really the basis of it, is trusting that. Um, Regret is just something inside your mind, but in fact, there's always something positive coming out of those negative events mm. if you go looking for them. And yeah, what are your thoughts there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it was. It's beautiful. It's something that definitely resonates the way you approach that, um, especially for me because my faith is that of a, a seek, and seek means to learn. So it was easy to, once I sort of started looking for the lessons in it, to express gratitude because it was like, ah, that's a, that's a lesson, that's a learning. Of course, my faith is to learn, so I'm very grateful that I got to learn something from it. So that was, that part of it was easy. Um, but I think scanning for how it, um, it enabled me to love deeper was, was an interesting one because I, it actually felt like... Um, I had committed something which had then had the repercussion of me sh like shutting me off to people. Um, and then that was interesting because what came out on the other end of it was, no, I just learned to honour other people's processes mm. more. So I'm grateful that I have more respect for other people's process. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was interesting because I was looking for how that opened me up, but it was like, no, it's more about respecting others. And that's the lesson that you've got. Um, so that was cool. And I, I, I feel much better about the whole thing as a general already. So yeah, very, very insightful. Um, and, and yeah, quite, yeah, I feel like I could do this myself. That's, <laughs> uh. <laughs> And ultimately, well, my main teaching is that until you've done a bit of work, you don't realize that anything in your path that causes you discomfort, emotional restriction, mm. you can clear. Even really severe uh, trauma from the past mm -hmm. can be cleared actually to the point of being grateful for it. And yep. we do a bit more deeper work for one-on-one, -on -one, but to the point of um, you can look back at any pain event and actually be a happy thing. No matter how bad it was, it's actually possible. And yep. that's... Um, the thing that people don't realize is you can go out to the past, it doesn't affect you that much in everyday life. You do not realize how often traumas from the past are affecting you today in the way you think, in the way you speak, mm. in the way you see people. And by letting things go from the past, you, 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 again, the freedom that you, that you create inside yourself to be authentic and be yourself is really powerful. So um, if there's one message I want to get to the listeners is that you can clear past trauma and it's important to, you don't realize the importance until you've done it once. To yeah. see how much it affects you in your, your day to day life, you can go, how does it affect you now? So, I hardly even think about it, but 
everything you do is a slight reflection of it. Your thoughts can come up, your beliefs about people, your trust in people, you know, so it can make huge changes. Yeah, so it's interesting yeah. because you you keep the lesson from it, but you let, release the emotion of it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Keep your positives and, and let go of the actual emotion because the, the emotion's there to protect you, but if you hold it too long, it starts to restrict you in parts of your life, holds you back from, from chasing dreams or, or meeting people you want to be or whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And the other thing I was going to say while we're on the subject, yep. if you can tap into that feeling of, you said there's a fear before death, mm. that fear before death and regret. Yep. If you can tap into that as a motivator, mm. I know that, you, I know that you, you're scared of it, you can feel it. This might be off the podcast, but if we do it pretty quickly, yep. find a way to tap into the feeling you get when you think about that hair's, hair's width before the death. Mm. Find that feeling of regret. And rather than be in restriction, how can I use this as almost like an energy below me? Yeah. Yeah? yeah, it's huge. But <laughs> it's actually very powerful because uh, I find it difficult to do. Most people do to, to realise immortality. Mm-hmm. Because you know that very successful people are very aware of it. They're like, We've, I'm not no time. Which is maybe a positive thing to that. But, but um, if you can use that uh, regret or potential regret yeah. as a fuel, oh, if I don't want to regret it, what can I do now? And also you've got to be aware that I think a lot of the people who are really successful are losing out a lot of life too because they're they're, they're getting driven by the negative, fear of negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a balance in there for sure. So yeah. mitigate mitigate the regret, but also stay in balance with the harmony of your body and your spirit and all that as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. There's a lot of energy there, to be honest. As you sort of said, feel into that. I can sort of feel it in my gut. Just this, yeah, an awesome, an awesome drive. Yeah, brilliant. Ah, man, love your work. <laughs> Absolutely in awe of it all. Um, yeah. So I think um, I'd love to sort of have a chat um, about gratitude um, and like just I'm – I don't know how else to put it. I mean, or a lot of things in this podcast, yourself included, but gratitude is um, – I you know, I'm just how it, it serves to heal so much. Um, this simple emotion, thing, task, action, um, you know, I, I know it sounds kind of like I'm having a really wishy-washy conversation with you right now, but like it's um, when I'm, I tune into like one of my favorite conversations was one that Tony Robbins has and he, he's got, he's coaching this guy through his anger stuff. And I've used this so many times for so many of my clients. Um, Whereas I just run the simple exercise like, okay, like I've got anger issues. Cool. Okay. What are you angry about? Yeah. Can you feel it? Yeah. Embodying it? Yeah. Okay, give me something you can be grateful for, like just one thing that you're grateful for today. And it's like, oh, yeah, how to, you know, today I got, like, had this, uh, whatever. Like, let's just say they, they had a really awesome experience or a really awesome exchange with someone. And then they start feeling into their gratitude and it's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, can you feel it? Can you embody it? Yeah, cool, awesome. Okay, how are you feeling now? Really good, really grateful. Yeah, really grateful. And I'm like, yeah, cool. 
It's like, so what was that thing that made you really angry? And then I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll go back into that. And you can literally just sway them in and out of their anger, just in and out of their anger. You can, what were you thinking about? Oh, cool, yep, anger, bourgeois. And then, yeah. oh, tell me something to be grateful for. Ah. <laughs> tell me about your anger again. Oh, man. And so like, tell me about something you're grateful for. Oh. And it's like just watching them, and then eventually the penny drops, and it's just like, oh, I'm in control of what I'm focusing yeah. on and what I'm, where my attention goes, my energy flows. And it's like, you just, and you just run the simulation a few times and they totally like the penny drops in for them. And like, just like, I'm just in awe of what gratitude is. Um, because for those that do want to go woo woo, <laughs> I like listening into the secret and stuff like that. It's also a, um, like, obviously it has this emotional state, but gratitude is also designed as a prayer. So every time you're grateful for something, on a subconscious level, you're asking for more of that. Because uh -huh. if, if I'm not if I'm not grateful for it, it's like if I, if if now like if you hear me like let's say a uh, like a vegan protein bar that's absolutely delicious, and you hand it to me, it's like yeah, wicked, like this is awesome, and I have it, and I just and I just consume it. There's lack of gratitude. If I'm maybe you're a really nice guy, and you'll continue giving me another one the next time you, you come across them. But if you hand it to me, and I'm super grateful for it, it's like dude, this is my favorite thing ever. Like. Yeah. Next time you go to the shops, you'll be like, fuck, Amrit really loves these things. I might grab him one, you know, and like it automatically works as a prayer for more. Like that's a very visceral, literal example of it. But every time you're giving thanks, you're asking for more of the thing that you love anyway. Like, yeah. it's kind of awesome. It's amazing. So the thing that told me about gratitude was the book, The Magic, which is a speak, well, one of the other books that Ron the Bird wrote, The Lady Wrote the Secret. So... Um, if anyone is feeling in any way down or out, go buy this book. And it's a 30-day, you do a different gratitude practice every day. Yeah. Um, it's quite intense, so most, most people do this point finish it, but go buy the book and see. It changed my life for sure. So um, the first thing was, already I was doing the five-minute journal, which is a really cool app. Um, I don't even know about it, but um, look up the five-minute journal. Just, uh, five minutes a day, we just write down three things you're grateful for, uh, three things will make the day awesome, and then a few affirmations. I am affirmations. You do it in two and a half minutes a day, in the morning, two and a half minutes a night, like what we've often done today. Um, but I was doing that beforehand. I was just writing down to be grateful, which is good. It's focusing your mind on the good things. But the magic taught me to feel and say thank you for them. Literally, uh, vocally say thank you. So I can say I'm grateful for, um, you know, the thing is when you get. What maybe you told me is grateful for a cup of coffee or grateful for a shelter on your head, over your head. Um, the world becomes so easy when you go for the real little things. Mm -hmm. But when big things happen, it's like it's bad or good, it's easy. Because I've yeah. still got shelter, I've still got food in my belly, like, especially for, you know, for, me, for me or us in Australia. So um, the principles are that you can say, you can write down thank you, but stop and, and actually feel it is a secret. So feel it in your chest. So I would always just do like a little thing, like I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna have a coffee on the way to work, and I already am enjoying the flavour of it before I even got it in my hand. I'm excited to have it, yeah. and I feel good now. And I haven't got the coffee yet. I'm feeling good now. I haven't got it yet. Yeah. And when you can stop and be like, "There's no rain on me right now because I've got a roof over my head," and you just to think about people in Syria or wherever where they're in a refugee camps, and wow, I'm lucky, and I actually feel rather be guilty that you live here, be okay, I've got this in front of me, thank you, wow, thank you, like, I'm not wet right now, I'm not cold, I've got food in my belly, so 
Um, that book is amazing. It taught me a few things. One is the feeling part. Mm-hmm. The second part it taught me is that appreciate the little things that makes the big things easy, right? And then, um, and then it taught me to, this is actually a big part of the work I do now, is appreciate challenges. When you can get to the point of, it's easy to look back in the past on things that at the time felt like a failure, and now you're like, I'm happy that happened, it's a success, so it taught me. But to, to teach you to be grateful for the challenge in the moment, like as you're going through it, it's, it's challenging. Yeah. Like if you're going through a difficult relationship, how can I actually be, be grateful for this now? Or like put yourself in the future two years and think back, how will I actually, in the future, how would this be a good thing for me? Um, so it's really, uh, that changed my life, that book, The Magic. And uh, it's the a big part of work for you. By Rhonda Byrne, yeah. Burn, Burn, yeah. Burn, yeah. I don't think uh, it's got an S on it. B, B-Y-R-N-E. B-Y-R-N-E. I don't think it's got an S at the end, but it could do. Yeah. Not Burnsy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but good book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's a happiness switch. It'll change, it can change your life. It can change negatives into positives. And, um, yeah, so I recommend it to anyone. So if you're going through a low time, if they can commit to just five days of three-day practice and really commit to it, mm-hmm. it can change your life. 100%. Yeah, cool. Um, I think this leads into a conversation that I want to have with you, just like a personal one. So this is great that we've got the space and the platform and the time to do this. Um, books, bro. Ah, <laughs> books, like just, just how, like, let's just nerd out for a moment on books. Like, how amazing is it that there's these little? I look at them as little capsules, like time capsules, almost, of like just someone's theory, ethos, philosophy. Like we both share in like an avid. Um, passion and love for Alan Watts um, mm-hmm. and his audio is amazing but his books are like a whole nother like it's literally like a black hole opens up and you just end up in this whole nother universe and like just the I'm in awe of just how much we can take on and learn just the wisdom of someone just going yep I'm just going to write this down to share with someone and it may benefit it may benefit them in some way shape form or other I just want to just want to froth on books for a moment with okay. you <laughs> <laughs> the first thing comes to mind for me is like the courage it takes to write a book, hey? Yeah. Because um, my mum's an artist and I always would be she quite upset because she has really nice paintings and I said, well, why don't you do like exhibitions? And she said, when you do an exhibition, it's like bearing your soul for the world to look at. Yeah. And I didn't understand that at the time. But the same with a book or music, like it takes a lot of courage to write down, especially the revival book to write down stuff. Because people are going to challenge it, people are going to say you're a dickhead, or who are you to say this stuff? And yeah. So it takes a lot of courage to write one in the first place. So like I'm always in, uh, I'm always like deeply grateful for anyone writes to have the courage to go do it in the first place. But uh, I think I'm a book, I'm a book addict in a way that I probably don't use them enough. Like <laughs> if I, I should be taking notes on the books I read and like listen to audios and writing stuff down to really put it in my brain, but. It's a nice, it's a good addiction to have compared to like many other things it could be. Yeah. So I've got literally hundreds of audios mm. and then I've got my Kindle on my phone and stuff. So I've probably got another maybe 110 there, maybe <laughs> half of them are unread. <laughs> and then my, my, my covers are full of them. But it's, yeah. so, it's such a nice thing, especially when it's had a back to take it out. I love going to the bush with a few in the book. And, yeah, and, there's, a, there's, this, um, yeah. there's this really amazing book. I'd love to sort of get your way eventually. Um, my brother Grant has it, and actually, I'd love for you to meet Grant because he's a 
he grew up in a town that they did rodeos um and he's just got such a, a passion for it but he's not he's never really rode a bull himself but I, I can just feel that you two would really connect really well but he's got this book called the red chief um by ion idris and it's all, like i took it with myself to brazil and it was just this amazing book um it encapsulates australia and this ion idris was one of the first people that went and lived with the indigenous when we first made contact, when the Western man made contact with the indigenous in Australia. And the way he describes the Australian fauna and flora and the way that yeah. indigenous hunt, oh, it, it's, it's, like, it's like poetry, but like in a book. So it's absolutely amazing and yeah, really phenomenal. Um, that particular book, I'd love, to, I'd love to get your way. And for those listening, this Nile's uh, obsession for for audiobooks has uh it's definitely one i just realized as you were sharing that um i remember coming back from the men's retreat and uh, like i was always a reader like i always read like hard hardback uh, softback and i never really like was much into audios like i'd listened to a few audios um i was definitely consuming podcasts at the time um but never really audio books and um at that point the only audiobook i think i had at the time was eckhart Tolle, the power of now and I kept listening to that again and again and again and again because every time it just it was like a, it was like a flower. It just kept opening up. The more yeah. and more times I listened to it, so it was good to live in there audially. Um, but I was right. I was driving back with you, and then you had this audio book on two times the speed. And I just remember looking over at you, and you're like, "Yeah, I love it." Like rapid learning, I love it. <laughs> and there's just something so visceral about just like getting it in and get it in good and fast. <laughs> and and it like uh, it's amazing because I just realised like I've been working my way up to like two, like because I've been listening to so many audio books at the moment. I didn't realise why I was consuming them so fast. <laughs> <laughs> and this lack of patience. Sometimes I was like, "Why is there a lack of patience? I just gotta get it in." <laughs> and I just realised where the seed of that came from. It was from you <laughs> listening to a book twice. I'm not up to two times yeah. the speed. I listen to them yeah. 1.5, um, and it's good because I can still listen and comprehend and uh, still take it all in. But it's it's an amazing practice. Um, to the point where I think uh, what you touched on was really important as well is that, you know, it's when you get into that practice of like reading and listening to so much, so much amazing content, because like you said, people have courageously put out their souls and you can learn so much from another soul, the wisdom that is there. Um, it's, it's important what I've come to realize is like strike a balance between like input and output. You know, for me, what's happened is like if I take on like heaps of books, sometimes I like just drown under like all this content that I've consumed. And it's like, what was the point in learning all of this if there's nothing being reciprocated? And for me, that's where like it's a really healthy profession to be a coach, a really healthy profession to be a trainer, because it's like, OK, like I can I get to take this on and this informs the work that I do. And then like you can share from that space and like it gives all your input a really valuable output where people are supported by it. People see value in it. You're obviously reimbursed burst for it um but yeah that was that was a massive breakthrough for me because I, I was consuming everything and like just consume 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 and not putting it out and then realizing that it's probably not the healthiest thing i think you touched on that a little bit as well yeah i think so you're, you're exactly right well i find the best way to learn something too is to teach it afterwards mm. so i think uh yeah it is actually that's what jeff slade was saying too it's a great profession you just work through your own stuff 
and solve their problems too. <laughs> <All> <laughs> yeah. <at once>, you <laughs> know, like, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's a great way to learn. And I just love learning, so it makes it a, you know, I've got to, got to learn from my job, just have to do it. Yeah. Um, it, it that's a great way to um to, to get stuck into it, yeah. Mm. Mm. So when I um when I tune into you, there's this, there's like I know you're the fear guy and you punch people through fear. There's so much humor, there's so much humility. There's there's just like there's always like there's always yep it's it's a very grounded joy that you exude, um and this very very passionate curiosity that you have for things. What drives your curiosity? I don't, uh, well, um, feeling good, drives it. How to feel good, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's my whole, that's my whole quest, I think, isn't it? How to feel, when you're, when you're living really authentically and you can speak your truth and, and be free to, to, um, when you wake up in the morning full of energy and excited, that's, that's, that's a good place to be. And yeah. I think it's all, all my books constantly just, uh, all my learning just to get me to that point, yeah. Where I'm just feeling driven and passionate and uh, and enjoying life. That's really what that's my that's my quest for the knowledge is just to do that more. Because um, uh, in the you know if you don't get onto a good practice, if you lose your practice a bit and you get into those slumps, then then uh, you need need motivation to pull you out of them again. Yeah. So the quest for feeling good, really. My question then is, why not just pursue hedonistic? Like ways of feeling good, like all the practices that I've received from you and learned, they're very holistic. They're very focused on what the similar topics that I'm passionate about: longevity, vitality. So you know, why not just pursue feeling good in something hedonistic purely because it's not lasting? Or yeah, I think there's a there's a, always a deeper. In me, there is nothing in most people. There's a deeper feeling of emptiness unless you really drive, unless you've got a you know, I'm not even sure what it is, but there's a fulfillment there that it comes from something, I guess, uh, not even something greater, but just, I guess, maybe giving back, maybe going on a long journey, but um, I guess that's what it is, that it's, uh, there's something unfulfilled there that I'm, that I'm looking to fulfill. I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but there's a drive there to take action in different ways, and to really, I like to, again, not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I like to touch on many different things rather than focus on one, I just enjoy just new stuff all the time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's all. That's all. It's just that I, that I that I need new stimulation all the time, which is yeah. Again, it's, it's probably that's a, it's definitely the negative from personality that I'm very flighty. I like different things all the time, but uh, yeah. but there's a passion for, for just learning a little bit, just getting at my full of something, and then I feel like feel like that I know that a little bit enough about that, and I'm going to something new and. Just following my, following my passion at the time, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you reflect that because sitting where I'm sitting, looking through this window over here, this perspective, it's I find that you go quite deep with the things that I know you, you dabble in, like, like there's MMA and then there's, you know, bull riding, but like the intention of just like, you know, that fear and like like coming up through that freedom, um, it seems like even though there's these diverse touch points, it feels like it's quite deep. The, the the intention of what you're doing is is quite consistent and quite deep, even though the the exercises of it are quite um, sporadic. But even in the word sporadic, doesn't do like justification because you don't just wake up and drop yourself into an octagon and start 
like fighting MMA, you know, there's a lot of discipline, a lot of practice that goes into that. You don't just hop on a bull. You don't just, you know, go walk about, <laughs> you know, there's like a lot of preparation that goes into that. So yeah, perhaps you're being a bit hard on yourself, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, I feel like I'll be a critic, but that's also a big drive. You're not a critic on yourself, you just sit on the couch all day, wouldn't you? Mm. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But if you're in blue, it's on the couch, it's okay. We're just going to find the right couch, I reckon. Um, so, um, just quickly, I... I I do want to sort of like wrap things up because I know you've got places to be, things to do, literally country to walk on because you're about to go um, walk about um, into God knows where. Tell us more. Yeah. Well, it's actually not, not, a, not, not a walk. It'll be a lot of to sit on. It's a vision quest through um, uh, Spirit of the Earth Medicine Society. So it's an Australian, uh, uh, I don't know how you describe it. You might look on the website. It's shamanic. I mean, it's like spiritual training for the Australian person. Yep, they do so, sweat lodges and yeah, all sorts of stuff yeah. like that. And yep. Yeah. So that's how I, I, I got into the sweat lodges in Melbourne and take, take the retreat through the sweat lodges in Melbourne. Um, and so, uh, yeah, if you can quest on that, I actually don't know what we're going to be doing out there, to be honest. I, mm. My experience of what I've heard before of different vision quests, you're just sitting in a patch of land, you probably won't get to see anyone else. You might, I think, get a swag and a journal, and then you just sit. I think you get a few practices of meditation to do during the day. But uh, basically, you get you tap into to the boredom, and um, and after the while of boredom, your mind sort of opens up a bit to um, to whatever's going on, to clarity. I suppose that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. So <laughs> that's all. That's, that's all I know. So I'm in Central Australia. That's where we're going out um, at lunchtime today, um, and um, for a and week, I, yeah. For a week, yeah. So the first half day, I'm doing a sweat lodge today, and then it's five days of no eating, just drinking water, and then the day integration the last day. So, yeah, so I, I don't really know what to expect until we get back. So I guess I'll chat then and let you know. <laughs> Tune back in. Quickest yeah. second podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love that. I'm on the couch. <laughs> um, cool. So, can I share an experience from the men's retreat that we had together with our listeners, or is it better to keep it sort of covert and people not know what's coming up for them? No, I'm ready. To, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, it's all right to share when we went out to the beach? Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Um, so just for those listening in, um, just as near the end of the podcast now, but I really want to share um, just my experience working with Niall. Um, and this is probably the, the most, uh, one of the most profound experiences of my life. Um, so we went out on a men's retreat. There was a whole bunch of activities that we did, which were all really awesome. It's good to just get out mountain biking, canoeing, kayaking, um, going for runs together. And, you know, just really good to just, you know, a whole bunch of blokes just getting together. And, um, I think we don't have that. It almost had that pack mentality of like running with the wolves, um, and learning from each other. Um, you know, waking up, meditating together, and then even doing like softer practices like yoga and this sort of stuff. Um, there was fire, chopping wood, um, but the, the, the one that left the most lasting impact for me, sorry, I ran through a whole bunch of stuff and haven't uh, mentioned a whole bunch of stuff as well because there's a lot to it. Um, so we sit down one night and uh, we write um, our eulogies and we've written each other's eulogies as they would be written today. And they're amazing because you, you really take stock of where you're at. 
um, you know, it's like there's there's no real sobering. We've touched on this through the podcast. You know, the the re- human's relationship with death, and you know, this is what I was talking about before. My thing with regrets. So, I wrote down my eulogy as it would be written today. Um, and there's and then it's it's quite stark. It's like, oh, okay. There's all these things that I felt like I was doing that I wasn't doing, and there's all these things that I felt like I wanted to do that I'm not really contributing to in any real way. And then you then go through another process. Again, Niall holds this really well. Um, you know, like there's a whole uh, almost, I don't want to say the word ritual, but it was like quite involved how we introduced this to us. I'm like giving it to you in the podcast form. Um, so then we write our, um, then, we, then we went through the process of writing the eulogy we wish to have had writ, read to us at our eulogy. So like our ideal, no regret state. Um, and just just that practice alone, just writing your eulogy as it would be written and then writing the eulogy as you wish to have lived the life and left the impact and the contribute and growth and the experiences you wish to have had and shared that with people, just the stark difference between those two is so polarizing as an experience that you just sort of sit there and go, wow, there's a lot of things that my heart is yearning for. Um, my soul is meant to be here to do and it really wants to like share with other people that it's just not doing and there's all these things that I'm doing at the moment that are just not serving that in any shape, way, form or manner why am I engaged in these current practices is a really good question that comes out of it so even that in a practice alone is phenomenal right? so we did that one night and then the next morning in his infinite wisdom Niall wakes us up at 5am and uh, (laughs) takes us down to the beach and uh, we've all got our own shovel and uh, our eulogies in our pocket. And basically, we, you spend maybe about half an hour digging a ditch uh, in which you can lie in the sand, in the earth. And uh, you're basically digging your own premature grave. Sounds quite sinister, but stay with me. So as you lie in, and then you basically put yourself, once you've dug dug your hole, you lie yourself into the grave. And then Niall ever so gracefully in his, uh, as you've tuned in, in his ever so feminine way, starts to flick dirt back onto you really gently <laughs> and uh, starts packing you in to back under the earth. And, uh, you know, mentally you can prepare yourself you know, it's like, yep, cool. So like, he's going to bury me in, like under the earth, uh, into the sand. Um, a caveat here is that your face is not completely covered. Um, you put a t-shirt over your face so you can still breathe and a little bit of sand is put over your face. But uh, like a decent, you know, a decent amount of sand covers the rest of your body. You're literally buried under the earth. Like trying to move is, is a challenge. Like you can't really just break out of it. You're in the earth. And the soil's coming on. And I remember like this moment clearly where it's like, especially when it started like, it's there was something beyond me that was terrified of it because like mentally I prepared myself like yep I'm gonna be buried in the earth that's totally cool I can see where this is going very cheeky now love it first thing in the morning and I'm getting buried into the earth but then there was this moment where like there was so much dirt that my body screamed out and it was just like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. like slow down like stop packing in dirt and it was like huh despite all the mental fortitude this is like a visceral experience like I'm not comfortable in this and the so and you know just gently continually the the soil kept packing on packing on packing on packing on packing on and like i said your your face is probably you know there's maybe five centimeters of dirt above your face so you can still breathe um sand obviously being quite porous and you can still hear but the sand's packed in and it's this real visceral experience where you realize oh this is where i'm going to end up 
and in a real in a real way this is where i came from because there's it's it's it literally feels like death it feels like nothingness um you can hear the waves and the beach and it's very soothing like that but at the same time it's it's this real coming home to the fact that i may or may not be um and it's precisely at this moment where you're really coming up against the fear and the love of what it's all this melting pot of all this stuff that Niall then reads to you your eulogy as you wished it would have been and nothing is quite as empowering nothing is quite as empowering as realizing that you're going to you're going to return to the earth one day um, we try to avoid this idea that, you know, we're going to die and, but then realizing that, yeah, I'm going to return to the earth. What is it that my soul really wants? And then someone actually reading to you that this is what you achieved in your lifetime. Um, and you had the impact that you wanted to have beyond the regrets. You know, you had the shifts that you wanted to shift. You grew into the person you wanted to, you loved the way you wanted to, you supported the way you wanted to, you contributed the way you wanted to, and you had the experiences that you really wanted to have in this lifetime. The fulfillment um, is empowering, just that experience alone, that simulation. And then... Um, and then someone's dog comes and tries to dig you out of the ground. <laughs> and her owner is like, what have you done to your mates? <laughs> um, it was amazing. It was literally, yeah, like it is, it, it, it is and remains one of the most profound experiences I've ever had to date. And, um, there's the amount of trust that I can easily afford and place in you, and especially the conversations we can have. Um, you know, it's to to literally be to be dug into the earth and like have soil put back on you. Like the amount of trust that that is formed through even just the, the men's retreat away, that the relationships you form with the other men um, is profound. The work that you do, and I think everybody listening in can tune into just like how deep the one-on-one -on -one work is. But then doing that as a collective, you hold that space so so well so i think i really share that from a space of like it's been a long time since that experience happened maybe about yeah about a year um but that it's been a very potent year since then so i'm expressing i share that story in the vein of gratitude because i'm so grateful for that experience brother so i just wanted to say thank you and just to give those that are listening a real insight into just how deep and profound the work is that you know you afford us thank you very much um, so now just loosening up the energy, <laughs> um, I know you're going to go very shortly. So quick, rapid fire, short questions. Um, if there is one book and I'm so glad I'm asking you this question cause it's going to really be hard for you. One oh. book. <laughs> What's the book, bro? <laughs> oh boy. That's difficult. <laughs> <Are you> <laughs> <laughs> I've been giving the magic lots lately, but no one's been reading it. So, um, ah, what's one book? Um, you know what? I'd, I'd recommend the book uh, Fearless by Steve Chandler. Fearless, Steve Chandler. I actually would recommend the magic, but I think uh, the Fearless by Steve Chandler, because not many people know about him, uh, but if you like the way he writes, he can change your life. He's just, um, he, he writes in a way that's um, 
short paragraphs. He just get he he lets you realize that you're responsible and yep. um, and not in a bad way. He talks about his own use, you know, alcoholic and all these sort of things, but he's a really power, uh, uh, expensive and powerful coach now. So feelings by Steve Chandler will be it. Anything by Steve Chandler, he's written, written like fifty books or something crazy, but that'd be the one. Yeah. Brilliant, awesome. And uh, if we could take your message and stick it in a billboard in Times Square, New York, um, what would your billboard read to the masses in Times Square, New York, in all that craziness of it all? Um, it would be maybe a yin and yang. Ah. And maybe... <laughs> Balance. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that message would get across or not. And then maybe, I'm going to put this on my tattoo, choose fun. Maybe that could be above and below the yin yang. Yo, cool. That might be my future tattoo on my right arm. Ah, your mum's yeah. definitely an artist. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the most artistic uh, response we've had to that. <laughs> awesome. And uh, so my last question, and by no means the least question, actually my favourite question, is um, so now who are you beyond the fear coach beyond the stories beyond the laughter beyond this human experience i guess like who are you and it's esoteric in its nature so yeah who are you oh, gee. Um, I, <laughs> i've been looking at the stars a lot lately and i think that um with every manifestation we create the universe expands a little bit and so maybe Maybe I'm just like one of the stars looking back here, or if we're going to get esoteric, I guess it's like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a spirit floating up there somewhere, looking, you know what I think, actually, <laughs> this, I think I'm like a spirit up there, it's almost like you're looking down on yourself, and you're like, but you don't have the ability to feel the spirit, Yeah. and then you go through your physical reality, you're like, ah, oh, that's what guilt feels like, aha, that's what joy feels like, that's what this one closed um how do i yeah again i guess me being with the inability of words and those knowing that i host a podcast and always have words is probably a good place to start um but bro i'm extremely grateful for the work that you do um and your time here today um the like yeah just consistently in a space of you know like even you know, being the guy that's willing to be the fear coach, knowing when it's like crappy marketing and like nobody wants to really like go up against their fears like that, but just standing the fortitude of being that guy and just like being the fear coach, but like having the biggest smile and it's like, yeah, what the shit is going on here? Um, you know, it's, it's really amazing, really, really amazing the work that you do and the men's retreat are phenomenal. I cannot recommend them enough. Um, I know you're coming back later this year, so I'm super excited. Um, maybe we can do another podcast then and broadcast that out to the people that are here in Melbourne and listening um, or we can just you know trying to spread your message and if there's any way we can support what you do obviously it would be an absolute honor um, but just yeah super, 
really, really grateful for, you know, just consistently working on yourself, working with yourself and sharing that with us and then getting us to grow and learn and contribute in better, richer, more complete and fulfilled ways. So all the work that you do, we're completely in awe of. So just thank you so much for that. Thank you for being here, mate. It's always a pleasure to see a big smiley head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Whenever I, uh, whenever I look at a, a model uh, relationship, I think of you and Kay Dan and the two you saw and stuff, it's always beautiful to see a name form the bone. So uh, thanks so much. Super blessed. Thank you so much. So I used to say uh, wishing you all the best on the journey, um, and I can probably say that for the the time you're going to go spend in, in nature now, um, all the best with that for the next seven days. But I don't really know if it is a journey anymore. I've done too many podcasts, too much wisdom is flowing in, so maybe it's just one big eternal now. Um, but whatever it is, man, I'm always wishing you all the best. I hope you know that and trust that, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll speak to you soon. Pleasure. Thank you, mate. Oh, just before you go, no. Um, someone wants to connect with you. How do they do that? Sorry, almost forgot. That's a good question. You know, I actually uh, just to to hit you up on Facebook. No, McInnes is probably the best way. Yeah. Uh, we've got a retreat coming up in late June, probably the 29th, 30th, and the first of July. So uh, once we get those dates confirmed in the next few weeks, we'll put a number of time here for that. But, Melbourne. Uh, well, in Melbourne. Melbourne. You'll go to the Lawn area or. Uh, or maybe out towards Hughes do a little secret for it. You'll do it. Yeah. One of those two. Somewhere around Melbourne. Cool. So, uh, um, yeah, and back to Facebook, you know, I think uh, just getting in contact with Facebook is the best way. Yeah. S- super accessible. Niall McInnes, N I A L McInnes, M C I N E S. And, yeah. N I A L L. There we go. Love it. I think the fear coach comes up on Facebook as well. Perfect. And, and look as well, we can do it. No, no, we can just Tom. Also works. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that, brother. Hey, Tribe. Thanks for tuning in to another fun, enlightening episode of the Inspired Evolution. I've been loving all the feedback and personal stories of love, uh, health, and growth. Your feedback and stories are incredibly welcome. The easiest way to connect with me is via my website, which is www.amrit-sandu.com. You can leave me a message or a comment. It's one of my highest values to connect, so I love to connect and love to hear from you. You can also find me on Facebook, Amrit Sandu. And if the content has been resonating with you, you can help the Inspired Evolution out in a big way by liking the YouTube channel, subscribing to the Inspired Evolution, or the Facebook page, like that please, at the Inspired Evolution, or by leaving a review on iTunes if you're on an Apple device. And also, if the Inspired Evolution episodes are inspiring an evolution within you, or you can feel the inspiration is valuable for your team to evolve to the next level, you can head on over to www.amrit-sandu.com to see how the Inspired Evolution can help you and your team thrive. Much love, tribe. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.